0: Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. Got a comment? Email me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Cast your vote for the show on Podcast Alley, podcastalley.greatdetectives.net. And uh, you can become a fan of the show on Facebook, facebook facebook.greatdetectives.net. A reminder that coming up on Saturday, we have our 150th uh, episode special, so we're going to give you an extra episode. This one will be an episode of Suspense, and it will star Alan Ladd. It's called One Way Ride to Nowhere. Uh, you're going to enjoy that. And before we get into today's episode of Box 13, I do want to let you know about Audible. Audible has a great offer going for listeners of the great detectives of old time radio, uh, where you can sign up, uh, try it out for two weeks, and get one free audiobook. Uh, Go to audiblepodcast.com slash oldtimeradio to give it a try. I've mentioned before you can get Shadow, The Night of Darkness, uh, including two never-before-released episodes of The Shadow, as well as an array of other radio dramas, including some dramatized versions of A Hobbit and uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, as well as a subscription... Uh, audio subscription to your choice of either the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. Uh, so you can try that out. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash oldtimeradio. That's audiblepodcast.com slash oldtimeradio for your free trial. Now, time for today's episode of Box 13, Death Is It All. Box 13,
1: with the style of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday.
2: Fox 13, Care of Star Times. I don't know quite how to begin this letter except to say that it may sound fantastic to you, perhaps even a joke. But please believe me, I am serious, and the situation is serious. A man is dying, yet he has nothing wrong with him. He believes he's going to die five days from now, and so Bart Lefay is dying. A strong, healthy man is dying because of witchcraft. I know this sounds incongruous, anachronistic. this
3: twentieth century.
4: But if you will come to Ballou, Louisiana, you will see for yourself, and perhaps be able to help. Sincerely, Doris Gordon. Sure, I laughed when I sat down to read Miss Gordon's letter. But the laugh stopped in Baloo, Louisiana.
1: And now, back to Box 13 and Dan Holliday's newest adventure, Death is a Dog. But
5: Mr. Holiday. You don't believe this, do you?
4: Susie, as my old grandfather used to say, there's no such thing as a sure bet or a sure loser. I don't get it. Well, to quote the time-worn passage from Shakespeare, there are stranger things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamed of in your philosophy.
5: Who's Horatio?
4: That's beside the point.
5: But, Mr. Holliday, she she says witchcraft. Now, that's just... It's... Well, it's imposterous. <laughs>
4: a girl, Susie, you never let me down You had to hunt for it, but you found the wrong pronunciation
5: That's beside the point
4: Yeah, it could be But something tells me that Valoo, Louisiana Offers interesting possibilities Before I took off for Louisiana I went to the Star Times and did a little research You know, it's surprising what a person can find out about things He thought went out with the oil lamps, horse cars, and witch trials But look at the bustle Everybody thought it was dead But now look. Well, just look. Anyway, what I learned made me change my mind a little about that letter from Doris Gordon, who met me at the station at Ballou. Five minutes after I got off of the train, we were driving along a dusty back road in a little car.
2: I didn't think you'd come, Mr. Holliday.
4: I never refuse a chance to get mixed up in something that sounds different.
2: Or insane.
4: Well, what's the difference? Automobiles and radios were different when they came along. Before that... They were insane.
2: But this is different. (laughs) We're in the 20th century. Salem and the witch hunts are history.
4: History? Well, to bat a cliche into center field, history repeats itself.
2: I know. Oh, oh, by the way, no one must know why you're here, Mr. Holliday.
4: Yes, why not?
2: Because these people are fine and honest, but they're liable to resent a stranger.
4: Oh, so what happens?
2: I I want you to pretend to be my cousin.
4: Glad to. But won't they know you haven't got a cousin? No,
2: I teach school here. I've been here only six months. No one knows much about my personal life. They've come to trust me and like me, I think. And they'll accept you because of it. Fair enough. Now, I board with the Le
4: Lafay? Oh, your letter mentioned a Bart Lafay.
2: Yes, he's the youngest son.
4: And he's dying, so you said.
2: Yes. In one month, he's become almost a dead man.
4: Why? What did the doctor say?
2: He said there's nothing wrong with
4: Bart. But there has to be.
2: That's what I told myself. I told it to Bart. But Mr. Holliday, he knows he's going to die because someone has told him.
4: Who? Who told him?
2: I don't know who started it, but now everyone in Baloo knows it. It's it's been like a snowball. Building, building, building.
4: You're in love with Bart.
2: Yes, I am.
4: Hmm. All right, but well, I don't see what I can do to help.
2: You've got to. It was only by chance that I saw your advertisement in the Star Times, a newspaper published in a city hundreds of miles from here. Remember, adventure wanted. Will go any place, do anything. Write box thirteen. I had to write to you.
4: Just a minute, Miss Gordon. Let me ask you one question. What? Have you gone to the authorities, the sheriff, for example? Of
2: course I have. And? Mister Holliday. The law can't help when you're fighting something you can't see.
4: So I was taken into the Lafay home as Doris Gordon's cousin. There was something about the house, an aura of fear that hung over it like a deadly pall. Bart's mother, his father, and his two older brothers seemed to have accepted the fact that Bart would die. Die when he said, in two days. That night, Doris arranged for me to be alone with Bart in his room. The house was located near the edge of one of the big bayous and somewhere outside in the night. the strange, eerie animal sound seeped through into the room where I sat with the sick man. How do you feel, Bart? Not fit, Mr. Holliday. Oh, now look here, Bart. The doctor says there's nothing wrong with you. Ain't nothing he knows. Ain't nothing he can know. Now, look, a man just doesn't die without something being the matter. I got... Just two days now. Oh, Bart, that's nonsense. Now, snap out of it. You just don't believe it, do you, Mister? No, no, I don't. And why don't
6: you ask down in the village? Ask anybody. About what? About what's happening to me? People see it, it happen before, and there ain't nothing nobody can do.
4: Ain't nobody can help.
6: The right, nothing... <coughs>
4: Doris. Doris. Yes? Doris, get some water.
2: Well, we can't swallow when he's like this. No. <laughs>
4: Here, Bart. Come on. Sit up. Sit up. Let yourself breathe.
6: It's getting worse. It's like somebody tightening a rope around my neck. And soon it'll get so tight I can't breathe no more. Bart, you
2: mustn't. You mustn't say that.
4: Ain't
6: nobody can help. Nobody. Doris. What,
2: Dan? Where's the doctor? In the village.
4: I'm going there. You stay here with Bart.
2: All right. Take the car.
4: There's only one doctor?
2: Yes. Dr. Brennan.
4: All right. All right. Now, don't leave Bart. I'll be back soon.
6: I'm sorry, Holiday, but there's nothing I can tell you. There's nothing wrong with Bart LeFay.
4: You're sure of it?
6: Look, anything that drags a man down from 200-odd pounds to 150, I'd know about.
4: Maybe I'm just a victim. Oh, I didn't doctor, mean it that but... way, Dr. Brennan, but... But as you say, a man can't lose over 50 pounds and look as Bart does without a cause. I know that as well as you do. Yes, well, better than I do. So let's be honest with each other. Honest? What do you mean? Because you're a doctor and because you're rational, logical, and reasonable, you won't let yourself accept the only explanation of Bart's illness.
6: I can't listen to any such nonsense, Holiday.
4: Is Bart's condition nonsense?
6: You're supposed to be an intelligent man.
4: Yes, and so are you.
6: Because I am, I I won't think about it.
4: You've never seen it happen before? No. But you've heard about it? Anybody who lives among people
6: who believe in it has heard about it.
4: All right. Now, Doctor, let's say what we're thinking.
6: I'm not thinking anything.
4: Bart Le Fay is dying because... because he's the victim of witchcraft. You
6: don't believe that.
4: If you mean witches, charms, potions, and that stuff, no. I'm as hard-headed as you are. But Bart believes it.
6: Why, it's ridiculous.
4: To you and me, yes. Maybe a hypochondriac is, too... But to him, his imagined illnesses are real. You don't laugh at him and send him away, do you?
6: Why, of course not.
4: And I'll tell you why not. You know his illness is in his mind, so you play along, comfort him. Because if you didn't, you know he'd become worse simply because he'd think he was.
6: Uh, well, all right. Supposing you're right about Bart, what can we do about it?
4: You've told him there's nothing really wrong.
6: A hundred times. There's nothing else I can do. Uh,
4: but I might be able to help. Hmm? Find out who started this thing and why it continues. If we destroy the cause, Bart will get well. Do you
6: expect me to help? Won't you? Holiday, I'm a doctor, a physician, a member of the association. If I poked around in something like that, what effect do you think it would have on my reputation?
4: Yes, I see a point. And it's up to me alone.
6: I'll help you, up to a point. Beyond that... Well, it's, uh, it's all yours.
4: Fair enough. Now I've got to talk with the people here. You won't
6: get very far. Why not? Because not one of them will say anything or lift a finger.
4: Because they're scared, too? That's it. Doctor, Bart Le Fay has only tomorrow and the next day to live. Unless I can lick this. And I'm going to try. <laughs> I left Dr. Brennan and went back to the Lafay place I had to talk to Doris alone and later in the darkness outside
2: Dan, it's too fantastic, too weird
4: Now listen to me, Doris I did a lot of reading before I came down here Know what I found out? No, what? In the last ten years, there have been over a hundred cases of so-called witchcraft As recently as 1939, a man on trial for murder claimed self-defense on the grounds that the person he killed Had charmed him, hexed him
2: Unbelievable.
4: Yeah, that's what I thought. But look in the newspaper files. But
2: this is the 20th century. It
4: could be the 120th, Doris. And still people will believe what they want to believe.
2: Do you believe it?
4: No. No, there's no power on earth that can kill like that. The only power lies in the victim's mind, in his will to believe. And Bart? He believes it so strongly that he's dying.
2: He can't die. He just mustn't. Mm.
4: Look, who started this? There had to be someone that... Planted that suggestion in his mind
2: No one, there isn't a person in the village In this whole parish who doesn't like Bart
4: But there has to be, Doris
2: It must be some horrible, malicious joke
4: Mm, The joke would have been called off before this
2: Then I don't know
4: If... If I'd go into the village tomorrow What would I learn from the people?
2: Probably nothing No one will come near here I have to drive in for supplies every day.
3: Bart! That was Bart! Come on
4: Doris and I ran into the house and Lefez were standing at the door of Bart's room staring at the closed door Terror in their faces I ran past him. Bart! Bart! Doris, get the lamp, hurry
3: Here yeah. oh, Bart! Bart!
4: Oh, he's all right He, he, he just fainted
3: But why? Why? Here's your answer What? What's that?
4: Doris, shut the door Keep the rest of the family out of here Wait out there, please. Blow out that lamp. Blow it out.
2: What are you looking at? Is there somebody in the
3: clearing outside?
4: No. No, not a soul. I didn't expect to see anyone.
3: You didn't expect?
4: Look... This charm that made Bart scream was tossed in through this window, doors, And nothing supernatural or magical about it. It was a human being who tossed it in.
3: But why?
4: To let Bart know he has only two more days to live.
1: And now back to Death is a Doll. Another Box 13 adventure with Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday.
4: It wasn't pretty, that charm. The way it was made with feathers and leather and bits of bone gave me a cold chill. I stuck it in my pocket and then took it out again. It was silly, but I didn't want the filthy little thing near me. Bart came too, we made him comfortable, and I spent the rest of the night sitting by his bed. Then the next morning, Saturday, Doris drove me into the village. While she did some errands, I went into the general store.
7: Morning, mister. Oh, good morning. Can uh, I do something for you? Well, I... A stranger here, ain't you?
4: Yes, I just came in yesterday afternoon. I'm Miss Gordon's cousin.
7: Oh, sure. Fine girl, Miss Gordon.
4: Yes, she is. Uh,
7: Boys, this here's Miss Gordon's kin. Cousin. Name's name's uh, Ed Masters.
4: Hello, how are you?
7: John Latouche. Hi, boy. How do you do? Uh, Tuck Wilson. Hi. And the rest of them. Hiya. Staying uh, in a spell, Mr., uh, Mr., uh... Name's Dan. <laughs> Just call me Pop. Everybody else does. The old Tuck here is about ten years ahead of me. Oh.
4: <laughs> okay, Pop.
7: As I was asking, uh, staying long?
4: Well, I don't know. Vacation? Sort of.
7: Oh, staying here at the hotel? No, no, no. Oh, renting the old Gerard cabin, eh? Folks uh, do for vacations.
4: No, I'm staying with the Lafayes. Well, I must have said something wrong.
7: That's one mighty good way to clear the store. Just mention Lafay's.
4: Aren't the Lafays liked? They was. Was.
7: You come in here to buy something, Mister?
4: No, I.
7: Well, then I've got to get busy. I got to get some stock put away. Oh, now, just a minute, Pop. Eh? Huh? Want something?
4: I want to know something. Maybe you can tell me.
7: Depends. I don't know much.
4: I'll make it worth your while.
7: You can uh, put away your money, Mister. If and I wanted to make talk. Uh... I wouldn't take no pay for it.
4: Oh, I see. I'm I'm sorry.
7: You uh, ain't staying long with the Lafay's, are you? I don't know. You better know.
4: Listen. Bart Lafay's dying. Is he? You know he is.
7: He's been ailing, not been fitting.
4: Pop, who's doing it to him?
7: I ain't got no idea what you're talking about.
4: I think you have. You can't stand by and see a man die like that.
7: Sooner or later, we all got it.
4: Pop, if you can tell me anything... I if...
7: ain't no use asking me. That, uh, if you want advice, mister, don't stay no more at the Lafay's. Oh, I gotta get back
4: to work. Oh, now, wait a minute, Papa. I... Well, it was useless to try that anymore. I went outside and stood there for a moment. Then I glanced back at the store, and staring out at me from a window was the face of a girl. About 18... And if ever a face showed fear, there it was. Before I could move, she pulled back and away. Outside in the street, little groups of people stared at me, and when I looked back at them, they walked out of sight. Farther down the street, I saw Doris, and she was talking with a big husky fellow, and I walked toward them.
2: Dan, what did you find out?
3: Oh, nothing.
2: Oh, I knew it. Oh, Dan, this is Didge Lawson, Bart's best friend. Didge, this is Dan Holliday, my cousin.
4: How are you, Didge?
8: fitting. <laughs> Them yellow livers were scared, huh?
4: Yeah, look like it.
8: Look here, mister. I ain't scared. If you want any help, I'll give it to you.
4: Thanks, Ditch. But can you help?
8: Maybe. I've got an idea. An idea, Ditch? About what? Look here. Some place out in the bayou is what's killing Bart. In the bayou? Yeah. I know that there bayou like a back of my own hand. Some funny things can go on out there, mister.
4: Like What?
8: I see the doll once, hanging from a tree, dressed up like a man it was, dressed up like Bill Dakin. Ain't long after that, Bill took sick. but he died.
4: You saw that, Ditch. Mm. Why didn't you do something?
8: Me? I ain't gonna touch nothing like that. Them a-touches is they get sick and die.
4: You think that's what's happening to Bart? Is that it, Ditch? Maybe. Mm, I see. Well, thanks for offering to help.
8: Well, that ain't nothing. we better be getting back now, Dan.
4: Huh? Oh, yes, sure, sure.
8: Glad to met you, Dan. See you,
4: yeah? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll see you later.
8: Bye, Did. Bye.
4: Doris. Yes? How good a friend is this to
2: Why, they grew up together.
4: Yeah, would he tell us if he knew who was doing this to Bart?
2: Oh, I'm sure he would.
4: Yeah, then we have someone to help us.
2: But I think he's really afraid, too.
4: He'd never admit it.
2: Do you think he'll be able to help?
4: That depends.
2: But What he said about that doll and Bill Dakin you believe it?
4: Yes, I did, because it's happened before.
2: Dan, you can't mean it. You can't mean it, because it's impossible.
4: So is the fact that Bart's dying with nothing wrong with him. But he is.
2: Then how can we stop it, Dan?
4: Well, I don't know yet. We've got to find out today. Tomorrow may be too late. Let's get back to Bart. When we got back to Bart, I tried to get him to tell me who had told him he was doomed to die. He wouldn't say. Bart had one more day to live unless... unless we could find the evil thing that was preying on his mind. It was later that night, close to midnight, I couldn't sleep. I was lying on the cot when I heard a noise at my window. Who's that? Who is it? What the... Shh!
9: Don't talk loud, mister. Who are you? My name's Melissa. Please, mister, I've got to tell you something... If you want to help Bart...
4: Wait, I'll come right out.
9: No, no, you just got to listen. I heard you talking in the store to my pop. You want to know about Bart?
4: What do you know? Come on, tell me.
9: Didge put the death on Bart.
4: Didge?
9: if he finds out, I told you he'd he kill me.
4: He won't do anything of the kind, Melissa. Now, what do you know about this?
9: Everything was all right till she come here.
4: She? Miss Gordon?
9: Her. Didge got smitten with her. Her... <laughs>
4: Oh, now, now, Melissa, we'll fix all that up. But you've got to tell me what you know quickly.
9: When Bart took sick, I knowed it was something Didge had done. I followed him out to the bayou. And? Five times I followed him to Grandma Juno's place out there.
4: Grandma Juno? Who is she? A witch. Melissa, there's no such thing as a witch.
9: She is, she is.
4: All right, let it go. What else do you know?
9: didge gone out there again tonight.
4: Tonight? How do you know?
9: I saw him taking his boat out of the shack. Mister, he's gone out there tonight to see Grandma Juno. This will be the last time. They'll twist the thread around Bart's neck and tomorrow he'll be dead.
4: Melissa, can can you take me out there? Me?
9: No, he's gone no more. I ain't. I'll take sick and die.
4: Wait right there. You and I are going into town. What, for? Never mind. Just wait there. I awakened Doris thought her was happening and took her car and Melissa and I drove into the village. Later, she, Dr. Brennan and I went out to the edges of the bayou and... If
6: a word of what I'm doing gets around, I'll be done for.
4: She's got to help, Doctor. All
6: right. All right. Mm. Melissa! What? You sure that you can lead us to Grandma Juno's in
4: the dark?
9: I, I think maybe so.
4: Well, come on, we're wasting time. Get in the boat, Doctor. Oh, uh, careful.
6: And for this, I got an MD3 chasing around in the black of midnight after a witch.
4: Ready? I am. Um,
9: go straight ahead until we come to the turn. Then go left.
4: Oh, good. Ready, Doctor?
6: I've got to be.
4: All right. Now, no lights. Be as quiet as you can. Let's go. Maybe I'll live to be a hundred. Maybe I won't. But I'll never forget that midnight boat ride. All around us, the huge cypress trees jutted up into moonless sky. The drooping Spanish moss brushed our faces, and it was too dark to see a foot in front. But Melissa, uh, she knew what she was doing and where she was going. Once or twice, a dark shape in the water bumped against our rowboat and slithered away. Then.
5: It's right up
3: ahead.
6: But I can't see a thing.
4: Melissa, you're sure?
3: I know it.
6: You can believe her, Dan.
3: These people know their way around these
6: files with their eyes. Look, there's a lantern up
4: ahead. They have digged boat. Stop rowing, Doctor.
6: Easy. I'm gonna
9: take second. I'm gonna
6: take second. No, you're not, Melissa.
4: Look. Good (gasps) heaven. Up ahead. On a little island in the light of an old lantern were Didge and an old woman. Didge was sitting on a log watching while the old woman crooned over her doll, crooned over it and wrapped the string tightly around its grotesque neck. Silently, and slowly, we got closer until we could hear her words.
3: Breathe and drop. Breathe and You laugh, my son. Tiger. Tiger on your throat. The devil's hand is clocked. Oh. Oh, Who's that? Get away, get away. Come on, doctor. He'll
4: shoot. He's got his gun. He can't see us. Well, listen. Stay in the boat. Stop where you
7: are. Don't you come no closer.
4: have you
8: two?
3: kill him, dear. Stop him! Holiday, his gun. Don't let him get it. Curse, do you, Miss Devil?
4: Pick up that gun, Doctor. You get it for this, mister. You get it. Now give me that doll. No, no! Give it to me, I say.
3: She'll nice you. No, she won't. That's better.
4: Now, let's get back to Bart, Doctor. What about Did? He seems to like it out here. We'll let him enjoy it a while longer. Keep his gun.
3: Here, let me see that doll. I... Why,
4: it...
6: It looks like Bart Le Fay.
4: Sure. It was Bart Le Fay. Huh? Never mind now. Let's get back. Oh. Doll, it it can't harm you now. Things like this can never harm anyone. It's in your mind. Look, I'll unwrap the string from his throat. You'll be all right.
6: That? That thing was doing it to me?
4: No, your mind was doing it, Bart. That's all. You'll get better now. But but what about you? What about me? Grandma Juno will get you. (laughs) No, she won't. But believe me, there's nothing in the world like this can hurt you. So I'll go back home, and the worst that can happen will be, well, will be my own fault. Sure, sure. Where's Doris? Oh, I'll send her in when I leave. Uh, I can't thank you rightly, Dan. Yes, you can. Just remember what I told you, Bart. No harm can ever come to you. Unless you bring it on yourself. (laughs)
5: a nasty-looking little doll. Hmm.
4: It's not pretty.
5: And he actually believed this was killing him?
4: Well, he knows better now.
5: Do you feel all right?
4: Hmm? <laughs> of course. Why?
5: Well, I just hate to think of that terrible old woman sticking pins in you.
4: Oh, not a chance. Not a chance. Now, well, let me sit down and look at the mail.
5: Oh, Mr. Holliday, what's the matter?
4: Oh, I... I felt as though something stuck me.
5: <gasps> Mr. Holiday, I.
4: Susie? Susie?
5: Oh, my knitting needles.
4: Yeah.
1: Good night,
3: Susie.
1: Next week, same time, through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd stars as Dan Holiday in Box 13. Box 13 is directed by Richard Sandville. And this adventure was written by Clark Roebling. Original music is composed and conducted by Rudy Schrager. Part of Susie is played by Sylvia Picker. Production is supervised by Vern Karstensen. Box 13 is a Mayfair production from Hollywood. Watch for Alan Ladd in his latest Paramount Picture.
0: Welcome back. When an old-time radio show has an episode that's set in somewhere like Missouri or Mississippi um, or rural Florida, uh, you can expect that you're going to get a lot of... or Tennessee. Uh, the portrayal will include a lot of uh, hayseed-top uh, characters. Uh When it's going to be in Louisiana, uh, it's going to be something else entirely. New Orleans... Uh, the bayou of louisiana an incredibly mysterious uh source of stories and a, a place of great mystery uh that really did seem to fascinate writers so this story while not set in new orleans uh, you've got this bayou thing with uh, with the with the witch somewhat similar to what we saw in the haiti episode of johnny dollar with uh, charles russell here they take just a real pure scientific approach on this Which is kind of interesting, though a lot of the episodes are a little bit creepy. But the uh, knitting needles at the end was kind of an interesting surprise. Alright, well let's go ahead and we'll get into some listener comments uh, from Facebook. I posted my article uh, where I listed all six uh, detective shows that have more than 100 episodes in circulation. um, Detective-actor combos and... uh, I, I commented, uh, in the golden days of radio, having a show run 100 episodes wasn't a big deal. With many shows doing 50 episodes a year, it was only a matter of lasting two years. And Jocelyn commented, too bad it's not like that now. Um, well, it can I, I don't know if the actors would quite uh, agree with you, though I don't think it was as big a deal for the radio actors as it would be uh, with television. Television really was much more of an all-consuming pursuit. You had to write more and do more in. Uh, and a lot of the TV shows began with much longer uh, initial runs, uh, but it basically got to a point where they uh, just would not continue to, uh, to to do that due to the uh, expanse and the uh, energy required. With radio, I, I was reading one actress wrote about how she liked doing radio because she could basically, you know, just have her house, you know, in the suburban part of Los Angeles, drive in and uh, record the show and just go about living a normal life rather than this very hectic uh, shooting schedule for television. Television, I think, may have been the big thing that made it so hard to uh, continue at the pace that radio set out unshackled the longest running radio uh, drama out there still manages to do 52 episodes a year so it can be done i think it's just television and the intensiveness that makes that uh, such a challenge Uh, and finally christian uh, comments on facebook i just wanted to say i love the show i found old time radio and fell in love with all the different mystery and detective stories um, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, but I've never heard Box 13 or Let George do it until your podcast. They are my favorite. Well, thanks. And that's part of uh, what I, I like to do with the show. I like to bring kind of the old favorites that a lot of people recognize, you know, the, the well-recognized shows, uh, the Philip Marlowe's and uh, Johnny Dollar, uh, but also to uncover some of these forgotten uh, favorites. There are some great shows out there uh, that don't don't get a whole lot of uh, uh, attention, even within uh, some of the old-time radio manufacturers. But some fascinating stories, and we'll look to continue to bring those to you. Thanks for the comment, and thanks for listening. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Got any comments? Email me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Cast your vote for the show on Podcast Alley, podcastalley.greatdetectives.net. And uh, you can always call the show, 208-991-4783. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.